0: morning welcome to worship this morning at first church and welcome to all those listening this morning on the radio as god has truly blessed us with a beautiful summer morning Uh, announcements this morning the mission trip fundraiser luncheon next sunday august 6th Uh, join us following the service for a german lunch Bratz, sauerkraut homemade german potato salad german chocolate cake and much more carry out and eat in here Kathy and Doug McLean will be here, who are serving as missionaries in Germany. Uh, They're going to share about their ministry and how they use the 3C project building and talk about its progress. Lunch is by donation only, and the donations support the cost of the mission trip teams' airline tickets only. Anything that they would raise above that need will be used for the 3C project. Also put on your calendar Sunday, August 20th. first church family picnic at the at the park here in town from 1130 to 130 you need to bring a side dish or dessert to share uh, sunday school department will be providing the entree for our meal they have family games nine square and some relay races for the entire family to compete in august 27th okay i'm sorry uh, so, put that on your calendar August 27th, not August 20th. So, and I need to invite Connie for announcements.
1: Sorry about that, Dave. That would be me who put the wrong date on there. Anyway. Um, If you all have a bulletin, if you would look at the back page, um, you may have already seen this in the newsletter or online, um, but we have introduced online giving and something called My First Church. Um, What you can do with this is you can go online and create an account um, that allows you to either do online giving or view your information online. And this is all secure. Um, You create a password um, just like you do when you sign up for anything else. It also allows you to view your giving history. Um, If you are not comfortable with online giving, you can still create an account and view your history. You just don't have to use the online giving portion. Um, We started doing this about a month ago with our staff and our consistory members, and it's functioning very well. Um, Everybody's had good experiences with it, so we are ready to roll it out to everybody. Um, One issue, the system recognizes you via your email address, not your name. Um, So if your email address is not in our system, you're going to get a message that says it doesn't recognize you, which is not a big deal. Just shoot me an email or call me in the office. Let me know what email address you want to use. We'll get that in the system, and then you will be good to go. So if you have any problems or any questions, please call me. Um, We're really excited about this. So um, the people that have used it so far have really enjoyed it, and it's working really well. So hopefully this is just another... um, Another perk. Anyway, um, so if you have any questions, give me a call.
0: At this time, I'd ask you to stand for the call to worship, which is not the one in the bulletin. Uh, So I will be reading the call to worship this morning. It comes from Psalm 66, 1 through 5 and 16 through 20. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praises glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing the praises of your name. Come and see what God has done, his awesome deeds for mankind. Come and hear all you who fear God. Let me tell you what he has done for me. I cried out with to him with my mouth his praise was on my tongue if i had cherished sin in my heart the lord would not have listened but god has surely listened and has heard my prayer praise to god who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me and i will continue to stand and sing come behold the wondrous mystery ask the children to come.
2: Good morning. Good morning, Courtney. Good morning. Good morning, Reagan. Good morning. Hey, we're going to play a copycat game today, okay? Are you ready? What I do, I want you to do. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. Hands up. There you go. Okay. Touch your nose. Rub your tummy. Touch your toes. Hmm. Put your fingers in your ears and stick out your tongue. (laughs) All right. So when we have somebody to copy, that helps us know what to do. Okay? That's why we have moms and dads, because they help us to learn what to do. And we copy them. When we're little babies... And moms and dads and big sisters and brothers make funny faces at babies. What do they do? They laugh. They do it back to us, don't they? And if they see you doing something, they try to do it too. Courtney, when you get big, do you want to be just like Mommy? Yeah. And you do what Mommy does, don't you? Do you like to help Mommy in the kitchen? Yeah. And Reagan, do you like to help Mommy? Yeah, you like to help mommy and daddy and do what they do. Okay, and when you get bigger, you go to school. And the teachers teach you, and you do what they do. Okay, that's how we learn. We learn by watching the people around us. And sometimes we learn things from movies and from songs we listen to. But you know what? Sometimes those things that they put on TV these days... And the music that we hear, that doesn't go along with what the Bible tells us. And so we need to be careful. We need to be careful about what we watch. We need to think about if that is what Jesus would really want us to do. And the only way we're going to know that is if we read the Bible. And we listen to Christian music. And we watch VeggieTales. You have veggie tales on your TV? But you know what? Those are the kinds of things we want to watch because they're teaching us the right way to do things. Okay? And so when you're out having fun, you want to make sure that you're saying nice things to those who are around you and being nice to them. Because when we read the Bible, that's what it tells us that Jesus wants us to do. Okay? And so we want to spend as much time being like Jesus and copying Jesus and the things that he did. And not always the things that we see other people doing. Okay? So try to remember that. Okay? As we go out this week and have fun. All right. Let's say a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for these children and their desire to learn. Be with them this week. Help us to do things like you would want us to do them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Have a great week, guys.
3: Before we go to the Lord in prayer, I just want to add a, uh, ask you to pray for a couple other prayer requests that are made known to us this week. Uh, one, we ask you to pray for the family of Judy Schrer, uh, that, who passed away um, later this late last week. Um, she's the wife to Wayne Schrer, stepmom to Alan Schrer. Uh You can greet the Schreer family this afternoon from 2 to 6 p.m. at the Cisco Funeral Home on Greenville Road in St. Mary's. And a service in her memory will be at the Funeral Home on Monday morning at 11 a.m., Uh, We also ask you to keep Nick Werwell and his family in your prayers. Nick was just recently deployed uh, to the Middle East for the next six months, so we ask that you can keep him and his family in your prayers. Uh, Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to come to you in prayer and lift up these concerns to you. Uh, Lord, these new ones, along with the names that are printed in the bulletin, um, are all situations that we care about uh, and that, that we are looking to you for guidance and direction and healing, and support, Lord. Uh, We acknowledge that we can't always fix our own problems. We can't always uh, come through, Lord, in the way we want to. And so we come to you and and acknowledge, Lord, that your will should be done and not our own. We acknowledge that you are the one um, who has the power and authority to, to work in these situations. And we acknowledge that you are a loving and caring and compassionate Father who cares deeply about each one of us. And so your desire is to see what's best for us done in these situations. And so we trust you completely and lift them up to you. Uh, we do pray for Nick and his family, that you would be with them during the, these next months as they're going to be uh, separated for a time. Uh, we also pray for, for Wayne and Alan and their family, Lord, as they mourn the loss of a loved one. We pray you bring peace and comfort to them as well. Uh, Lord, we also lift up the Auglaise County Fair, which is kicking off today and will be happening this week. We pray for safety for all those involved. We thank you for the children and the teens, the adults who will be participating in its various, uh, various forms, Lord, uh, throughout the week. We pray that it will be a good, fun time for them. And pray, Lord, that, that this would be an opportunity to bring the community together uh, around this fair. Uh, we pray for all these things in the name of Christ who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. This time I'd like to invite those who are helping with the offering to come forward. Our offering this morning goes to support the those in need fund here at the church. And I'd like to welcome back up the the praise team who will be blessing us with some music during this time.
1: Remain standing for the reading of God's Word, which comes from James chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Now we'll sing number 366, I Surrender All.
3: seated. Before we dive into our scripture for that we have for us today, uh, I just want to make one more announcement to add on to all the other announcements we've been having today. Uh, but I'm very excited to let you all know uh, that our family is going to be growing a little bit. Um, in January, uh, we'll be adding a member to our family. Thank you. Thank you. Allie's expecting, and Josephine is very excited to be a big sister. So um, we'd appreciate your you know, prayers, of course, as well for us as our families. We prepare for that new edition. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for uh, the joy it is to be here and to, to share your word uh, with this church and this community. I pray that you uh, be with us now. Uh, I pray your spirit would guide me and guide us as we look at your word together and open up all of our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, the passage we're looking at today, uh, that you just heard Connie read for us, is from James chapter four, uh, verses one through twelve. And and really, what we could have done was last week's message about uh, the right kind of wisdom really just just kind of flows right into this passage. It really could have, you know, if I had you know a whole day to preach and share with you, you know, we really could have preached that message all in one because they really fit together so well. If you recall from last week, the kind of wisdom that James spoke against was a very selfish very self-centered kind of wisdom, uh, and, and this, that theme of, of self-centeredness and, and what I'm going to re- just continue to refer to as pride today uh, is a major theme of this passage as well. Uh, James is, is encouraging us as believers, he's encouraging the, the recipients of this letter to, to turn away from prideful behavior, to turn away from those sorts of uh, actions that characterize it. And and in response, humble ourselves before the Lord. And and so the the kind of wisdom that James wants us to have that we talked about last week, I mentioned, is a wisdom characterized by humility, characterized by being other-centered and Christ-centered, and not self-centered. And so that theme is going to carry over in our passage today. Really, what we have here is the heart of James's letter. The 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 center of it um if, if we had to define one passage or one section as as the meat of james letter this is it. this call to humble ourselves before the lord this call to turn away from our prideful behavior our prideful nature and uh, to be humble before him is really the the main one of the main themes of this passage or this this letter and it's really the only way for us to find spiritual wholeness To be mature in Christ, to, to grow deeper in our relationship with Him is to, is to turn away from ourselves and turn towards Him, right? As long as our focus is on ourselves, as long as we are still controlled by our pride and our, our self-centeredness, we can never really grow and mature in Christ. And so, so we need to turn away from, from that and turn towards Him. And pride, if you think about it, is not, it's not an issue just for that day. It's an issue that we continue to struggle with, right? It's, a, it's being self-centered is a is a major issue in our culture today. We're encouraged to be self-focused and prideful, right, if you think about it. And it's a problem not just for today, but but throughout human history. If you go all the way back to Genesis and, and go all the way back to the garden and the original sin, Adam and Eve eating of that fruit that God forbade them, we can we can think about that simple, simply in terms of disobedience. God told them to do something and they didn't do it, therefore that was sin. Um, which is true, but that's maybe oversimplifying things a little bit, I think the root issue there was pride. The issue that they were, that they were struggling with that, that really came to a head in eating the fruit and disobeying God was their pride in themselves. This idea that they knew what was better for themselves than God. They put themselves in the, the position of authority. They put themselves in the position of deciding what was right and what was wrong, what was good and what was bad. And it was only when they did that that they then took that step and ate the fruit. Does that make sense? So even from the beginning, pride is an issue that continues to eat at us. and It ate at us then and it continues to eat at us today. And pride takes a lot of different forms. We can take a... Um, we can spend a lot of time talking about what pride looks like, but James addresses a few different forms of pride right here in this passage. And so what I'd like to do is, is take a look at this in a little different way than we normally do. Um, I think there's three different kinds of pride he, he deals with here. And then right in the middle of the passage, he gives us the solution uh, to, in dealing with our pride. He gives us the steps that we can take to combat that pride. And that, as I already mentioned, is humbling ourselves before the Lord. And so what I'd like to do is take first take a look at those Three kinds of pride and then come back to the solution, if that makes sense. So this first form of pride that he deals with here in verses one through three is the pride of thinking of ourselves too much or thinking too much of ourselves. Uh, The issue that he describes in these opening verses is an issue of of people desiring their own way in the midst of relationships. Specifically, he's talking about the church, but we can really apply that to our own family, our own friendships as well. The pride of thinking of ourselves too much and, and wanting our way to be the way. Now, there's nothing wrong with having preferences. There's nothing wrong with having a desire for things to be a certain way. But the, the issue that James is dealing with here isn't just um, having a desire to see things happen a certain way, but it's allowing that desire to control ourselves. Right? He says it's the, it's the desire that's within us. If I get all my stuff in order up here. Um, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Your desire you desire but you do not have, so you kill, you covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. See, he's describing how we allow our preferences, we allow our desires to, to become the root cause and root motivation of what we do. Um, and so when I don't get my way, what do I do? Throw a tantrum, right? So Josephine does, right? It's a struggle, you know, we, she, she wants something, she, she wants it, can't see any other way besides her getting her way, and so that results in, in throwing a tantrum in the middle of a supermarket or something like that, or in the middle of a salina lake fest that we were at yesterday, you know, so, so, you know, that's, we, that's behavior that we see in, in little ones, but yet we also see it in ourselves if we're honest. Right, We want certain things and we desire things to be a certain way because that's the way we want them to be or the way we think they should be. And when things don't happen that way, we throw a little tantrum, right? And that's what it says. That's the cause of fights and quarrels among us. Um, I think we've been very blessed uh, as a church since I've been here for, for well, a year and one week now. Um, we haven't really had to deal a whole lot with fights and quarrels as a church, but but if we're honest with ourselves, that's something that churches struggle with in general, right? I'm sure that if we looked at it, the history of first church, we'd notice periods of conflict and quarrels and fights. If, and if we every church in the world looked at themselves in that way, they'd see that pattern as well. It's something we all struggle with out of our sinful nature. And it happens because we desire things to be our way and we we, we kind of fight against it when things don't go our way. And so that's... That pride there is, is we are putting too much value or too much credence in ourselves and not allowing us to not allowing ourselves to, to compromise or to work with others uh, for a mutual good. That sinful desire that he's talking about is really a selfish ambition and bitter envy that he was talking about at the end of chapter three. We lash out, as I mentioned, when our sinful desires are not met. And I think in our day, we, we often are, those fights, those whether it's in the church or with family members or friends, it's often characterized by hateful speech, right? The very same hateful speech that James talked about in chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. We often use our words as weapons to fight against other people. We say things that we may not even really mean it, but we say it because we know it'll get a rise out of someone else, right? And that then leads to more fights and more quarrels and things. You see, sometimes disagreements happen. We're not always gonna agree with each other, and that's okay. But we need to learn to disagree well. We need to learn to, to have conversations and talk about things without getting at each other's throats. Alright, that's, that's kind of the, 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 the description that James is talking about here. But there's a better way. We need to learn to disagree well. We need to learn to put our pride aside. and and talk with others and work with others and and have a conversation. And you may not come to an agreement and you may not see eye to eye, but we can still be defined by the love of Christ and the peace of Christ in those conversations. But if our pride is out of our control, if our pride is what controls us, then we often aren't able to, to see things that way. And what happens, it says here that God, we don't have because we don't ask. When we ask, we do not receive because we ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. God often doesn't grant us what we want, or God doesn't give us the wisdom or peace we desire because we ask with selfish motives. Again, our pride is in our way. We're thinking of ourselves too much. We're putting ourselves in the center of that conversation. Even within you know, uh, conflict in relationships, whether it's church or family, we ask for God to, to bring an end to that conflict as long as we're on the winning side. Right? We want we want them to see our way, not, you know, when we pray. When we pray for God to, to bring a resolution, we're often praying for us to win and for God to be on our side. But you see, that's still a prideful uh, motivation. We're still putting ourselves at the center of that. And where pride is still in control. Instead, what we need to do is we need to pray not in our name, but in Christ's name. What it means to pray in Jesus' name is to pray with with His will in mind, with His character in mind, with with what seeking out what God wants and not what's best for us. You know, and when we do that, we're putting our pride aside. We're we're able to to keep Him at the center instead of ourselves. It's amazing when you start praying for people, when you start praying in that way. Um, it may not resolve the conflict the way you want it to, but you begin to see and experience the love and peace that, other peop- that, that God has for those other people, and you begin to feel that way as well. We have because we don't ask, and we ask with the wrong motives. This is a theme that came up in James chapter 1 all the way back several weeks ago when we were looking at that passage. James says that talking about wisdom, if we lack it, we should ask God. Who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, such a person is double minded and unstable in all they do. Well, this is another form of that double mindedness of of praying and, and and saying that we're seeking God's will, but we're really seeking our will. You know, God doesn't answer those kinds of prayers. God answers prayers that, that, are, that are centered on him and his will. Um, and that's what he desires from us. So the first form of pride here is the pride of, of putting ourselves at the center and thinking of ourselves too much, which leads to conflict. The second form of pride that James talks about here in this passage is, is the pride of thinking that we can serve two masters. In other words, the pride of thinking that we can fool God uh, with our allegiance and, and, and where our heart is really at. It says here that in James uh, chapter four beginning of verse four, "You adulterous people, don't you know that the friendship with the world means enmity with God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. If we were really to look at our own heart, uh, I, know, I know this is a struggle for us, isn't it? To desire to, to be accepted and to be loved by the world. Um, it's a struggle that, that churches have all the time, right? We try to make ourselves appealing to the outside world. And, and at times, you know, we, there's the danger, there's the threat of compromising what we believe in, in our core values simply to be accepted by the world. And that's not a struggle that churches face alone. That's a struggle we each face. A desire to be accepted and loved by the world and, and by people that um, by people instead of uh, being concerned about being accepted by the Lord. And so there's there's a pride in that because we think we can get away with keeping a foot on each side of the fence, right? We whereas God desires that we give ourselves wholly and completely to Him. Being called an adulterer is a pretty strong language if you think about it, right? But it picks up its imagery that's picked up. Uh, that we see throughout the Old Testament prophets. Oftentimes, God is portrayed as a husband who is loving and faithful to his spouse. Israel, or if we were to carry this metaphor over in the New Testament, the church is often portrayed as the wife who is unfaithful, who commits adultery, who runs away and turns her back on, on God who is that faithful, caring, loving husband. And the adultery then... The unfaithfulness that's described as idolatry, it's sin. It's any time we put something in God's place, in the place that only God deserves. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 20 says, Like a woman unfaithful to her husband, so you, Israel, have been unfaithful to me, declares the Lord. And probably the most well-known and and obvious example of this metaphor is, is the entire book of Hosea, this description of the prophet Hosea who God calls to marry a a, a prostitute, this woman who, who is over and over again unfaithful to her husband. And God uses Hosea and uses that relationship to describe how God continues to be faithful and loving toward us even though we are unfaithful and unloving toward Him. It's a beautiful picture of God's love and the grace and the mercy that He has for His people. And so James is kind of picking up on that metaphor. He's he's calling these people adulterous because their their desire is to not serve God alone and be faithful to him, but but to have um to try to be to be loved and accepted by the world as well. And 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 in a sense their divi- their loyalty, their allegiance is divided between those two. And so seeking friendship with the world is spiritual adultery. We see that word friendship and we think that, well, what's the big deal with being friends, right? I have 500 friends on Facebook. What's the big deal, right? We're not, I don't even know half those people. I've probably never even met them. What's the big deal about trying to be friends with, with the world? We take a very low view of friendship in our society. What we would consider friends today would have simply been acquaintances at best um, in, in the culture that James is, is living and writing in friendship in that day was so much more significant it was it was a lot more of a commitment and a lot more of a, a, a it said a lot more about who you're friends with in that day it said a lot about who you were based on who your friends were that's why it was such a big deal for jesus to have dinner with sinners and tax collectors right the religious leaders were so mad at him because he was simply sharing a meal with these people because that meal that sign of friendship was so significant Jesus was extending love and grace to these people that the religious leaders would not uh, extend that grace to. And so, when we talk, about, when James here talks about seeking friendship with the world, it's it's more than just being acquaintances. It's more than just being Facebook friends. It's about um, that sort of friendship that James is talking about is is sharing things in unity, being united as one. And so the issue then is not <clears throat> excuse me the issue is where our allegiance lies to seek friendship with the world means to align ourselves with the world's values and its priorities it means to desire to live like the world lives it means to value the things that the world values and the problem with that as you may you may be seeing is that when we do that we're rejecting the values and priorities that God claims for our lives as followers of Christ. When our value is in what the world values instead of what Christ values, there's going to be conflict there. And if we're seeking only if we're seeking to to serve the world and be in friendship with the world, that means that we're going to have to make decisions that line up with the world's values instead of God's values. Does that make sense? God wants us to look beyond ourselves and look to Him for guidance and wisdom and direction and not the world. That doesn't mean we should forsake the world. That doesn't mean we shouldn't have anything to do with it. In John chapter 17, Jesus prays for His disciples and says this. He's praying to the Father and says, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of My joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. And here's the key, verse 15. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. That's Jesus' prayer for His disciples and in turn for us as followers of Christ is is not that we separate ourselves from the world, but that we are in the world and not of it. That we are in the world as ambassadors for Christ. We're in the world not compromising and and becoming like it, but that we are um, pillars of light, that we are the salt of the earth for the world. So that as the world sees us and sees us living the way we do, they see a little bit of Christ in us. But they can't see that. They can't. They, they won't ever see that in our lives if we are simply compromising everything we believe. If we just look like the world looks like, they're never going to notice that difference. Does that make sense? And so I think there's a little bit of pride in that. Pride thinking that we can get away with living like the world lives and claiming to follow Christ. We can't serve two masters in that way. And our behavior it demonstrates our allegiance and our pride. And and James has been building up to this. In chapter 2, he talked about how we often discriminate towards people. It's prideful to think that we are better than others. He talked about speaking negatively in chapter 3, verses 1-12. through Putting others down in order to make myself feel better. That's a prideful thing to do. Bitter envy and selfish ambition. Seeking... Seeking our own advantage at the expense of others. In conflict within the church, in chapter 4, verses 1-3, through which is due to our selfish desires. You see how pride is playing a role in each one of those situations? Thinking that we can live like the world and, and put ourselves at the center of our own universe, but it just simply leads to conflict and it leads to living not as God longs us to live, And so then when that brings us to the last form of pride, which I'm going to skip down to the end of the passage, verse 11 through 12, which is thinking of little, too little of others. So we have the pride of thinking too much of ourselves. Now we have the pride of thinking too little of others. And James here speaks against um, using harmful speech to put others down and judging others. When we do that, when we speak evil toward each other, it's a violation of the law of love. The law to love others as 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 Christ, ourselves has loved, Christ has loved us. That's our call as Christians. To love others as Christ loved us. And to speak evil, to judge others in that way, is to violate that law. Tim Keller says that you cannot love someone if you think you're superior to them. If you're always speaking down to people, you can't love them. And not loving them is a violation of the law that God gave us. To love Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love others as ourselves. And so our pride in who we are causes us to look down on others and speak judgment and speak harshly towards them. But having humility leads to love. Jesus is the true judge, not us. It says here that it's His right, not ours. And so we're called not to judge others, but to love them and to lift them up to the Lord and build them up and in doing so, point them towards Christ. I'm thankful that I don't have that responsibility. I don't think I could handle it, so I'll leave that to Christ, which is His and His alone. And so we have these three forms of pride: pride in ourselves, thinking of ourselves too much; pride in thinking of others too little; and pride in thinking that that we can get away with serving two masters. But so, so James here then describes the solution. The opposite of pride is humility. God longs for us to be with Him. It says here that God is jealous for us. That's not jealousy in the bad way that we often think of it. Jealousy in this negative sense that we desire something that doesn't belong to us. God's jealousy is pure and good because we do belong to Him. He created us. He breathed life into each one of us. And so... God has a right, in a sense, to be jealous for us. He desires that we belong to Him. And for those of you who are who grew up in the church or through catechism, you're familiar with the very first question of the Heidelberg, right? What is your only comfort in life and death? That I am not my own, but belong, body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. We belong to Him. He is our God and we are His. And so He has the right to be jealous for us. And so He desires that we we know Him and belong to Him and have that relationship with Him. God's jealousy demands a a total, unreserved, unwavering allegiance from us, from the people that He has created and He has joined to Himself. And then in verse 6 is where the key is. It says that God gives us grace and He shows His favor to the humble. See, the grace that God gives, it helps us to meet the requirements that His jealousy demands. His jealousy demands an unwavering, complete and total loyalty to Him, which is something we can never do ourselves. Right? It's not in our power, it's not in our ability, because of our sinful nature to do that. We're always going to fall short. But God gives us the grace to live it out. He gives us grace even when we fall short. And the key to that, the key to receiving that grace is to humble ourselves before Him. The proud are unable to see their need for God's grace. And so therefore, they're unable to receive it. Like a sick person who is in need of medical attention. you know, If someone is sick and they need something, but they don't recognize their need for it, they're never going to be well. Someone who has who has heart issues and needs to change behaviors in their life in order to lead a healthy, healthy um, full life, if they don't make those changes, they're going to continue to be sick, right? And probably cause even more problems. In the same way, in order to receive God's grace, in order to receive the healing that He has for us, we need to admit our problem. We need to admit our shortcoming, which is humbling ourselves before Him. We need to acknowledge our need for Him in order to receive the grace that He extends to each one of us. And so humility involves drawing near to God and turning away from our enemy. As I mentioned, we must be humble to experience God's grace. To submit to Him means to place ourselves under His authority. And it also means turning away from our enemy. It says here that we must resist the devil. Resist means to oppose, to stand against. It reminds me of Ephesians chapter 6 with the armor of God where it says, that we must stand against the schemes of the evil one. Right, Stand firm, hold our ground. See, the devil's primary purpose is to separate us from God. But it says here, we have this promise in God's Word that He will flee when we resist Him. And we see that over and over again in God's Word. We have promises that Jesus has come to destroy the works of the devil. That He has overcome the world. And that we have that gift of the Holy Spirit in us. It is the Holy Spirit living in us is greater than any obstacle we may face. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. But submitting to God is more than just resisting the enemy, but it's drawing near to him. It's drawing near to the Lord. And it's this relational term. It's about restoring that relationship that was broken. Like the father waiting for the prodigal son to return home. God is always ready to welcome lost sinners home. He's always ready to, to, to welcome people who have strayed from him. People who have turned their back on him. He is always ready and willing to receive them back. That's what it means to draw near to him. To turn away from our sin. To turn away from those things. And turn towards Christ. talks about humble repentance. We sometimes need a wake-up call, don't we? We need someone to point out where we're falling short in order for us to, to see it, because we often have blind spots in our own lives. So James here is, is giving them and giving us a wake-up call. We need to turn away from our, our sin. We need to repent of our external behavior, right? He says, wash your hands, O oh sinners. Our hands often represent their deeds, the things that we do. So we need to, to wash our hands, which is our external behavior, but we also need to purify our hearts, which is our internal motivations, We need to repent of those things and turn back towards God. We need to be sorry for our sin. Truly sorry. And then we'll be able to experience real joy from that. He desires that we be sorry for our sins so that we can can experience the joy of Christ. In Luke chapter 18 verse 9-14 through gives us a model of what true humility before the Lord looks like. And this is my prayer for us that we would be able to experience this kind of humility before the Lord. Jesus tells this parable to those who are confidence in their own, confidence, excuse me, who are confident in their own righteousness and look down on everyone else. Jesus told them this: Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, "God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, and adulterers." or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I got. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. It's exactly what this passage is teaching us. That if we want to have a relationship with Christ, if we want to experience His grace, we must humble ourselves before Him. We must acknowledge that we can't do it on our own. We need to acknowledge that we are often prideful people who lift ourselves up and put other people down, and that causes a lot of relational conflict in our lives. We need to acknowledge those things and turn away from them and turn towards Christ. And when we do so... We have the promise that He will lift us up. That He will show us His grace and His favor. And we'll be able to experience spiritual wholeness in our lives. Let's pray for that. Father, thank You for this day. Thank You that You give us, Lord, what we could never earn for ourselves. That You extend grace towards each one of us and favor towards the humble. Lord, I pray that each one of us will be able to humble ourselves before the Lord. Or turn away from the patterns of pride that often often trip us up and turn towards you. And Lord, I pray that as we do that, you would give us your grace. Help us to live out our lives for you now. And Lord, bring healing and restoration to those conflicts that our pride often, often brings. We thank you for this in Christ's name. Amen. In closing, I encourage you to stand and sing number 371, Have Thine Own Way. grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. You may go in peace.